I'm Roger Wood for indepthnh.org, nonprofit multimedia broadcasting for New Hampshire citizens for public interest journalism. I'm speaking to Dan Innes, state senator from Newcastle. He is with me right now, and uh, we're talking about a pretty significant topic. Uh, the issue of PFCs in New Hampshire, and apparently uh, no law right now, Dan, to uh, regulate them? There are a number of things that need to be done around Coakley, and we're sort of taking things, I guess I'd say, a step at a time, but some of the steps are a little bigger than others. Um, the bill that I put forward yesterday is one that is designed to prod the Department of Environmental Services a little bit to ensure that we have the right standards for PFCs that reasonably protect the public health. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're familiar with, with PFCs, they, there are a couple different component parts, uh, PFOA, PFOS. Right. Uh, they're in things that we use every day, Teflon, for example, or firefighters' foam. Uh, but they're also in other things that uh, were disposed of in the Coakley landfill, Sometimes they find their way into the air and fall to the ground and get into groundwater that way. And we rely on a lot of our water in the region um, from wells. And over the past several years, it's become apparent that the Coakley landfill is leaching PFCs into the surrounding groundwater. Mm-hmm. The question is, how far does it go? Can it be contained? And will it stay below limits? Um now, that leads to the question, what's the appropriate limit? And what we've seen lately is that states around us and other states in the nation have been lowering their acceptable standards. The EPA initially set a standard of 700 parts per trillion. They recently lowered that to 70 parts per trillion, a pretty substantial drop, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is illustrative of the fact that we're still learning when it comes to these contaminants, and they're classified as emerging contaminants as a result. I believe Vermont is down around 20 parts per trillion. Um, The state of New Hampshire is going with the EPA standard of 70 parts per trillion. And let me say, that might be the right standard. Um, On the other hand, science advances quickly in this area, and this bill asks the DES to consider what other states are doing, then take a look at the science that they consider and do some research into peer-reviewed journals that have been published on the subject in the last couple of years. Is there any... The idea is, here... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was the idea up. here is that we want, to, we want to stay current with the advances in science sure. and not just say, okay, it's 2018 at 70 parts per trillion and leave it there for five years. Mm-hmm when maybe we should be dropping it back or even relaxing it a little bit, depending on what we learn. Because no proven health effects have happened, have they? No. There there have been no directly proven health effects. Um, The genesis of of the PFC study around Coakley, I believe, was the cancer cluster in the seacoast, which, you know, I've heard arguments both ways that it's a a statistically significant cluster. I've heard it's not. Um, Regardless, we had children with cancer in significant numbers, one's too many. And we started...
started looking at possible sources of contaminants that might lead to cancer in children. And that's what brought us to Coakley and really raised our antennae with respect to PFC and what was happening in Coakley. Right. The Coakley site, of course, uh, which is off of Route 1 and straddles uh, several towns, really, uh, basically in Rye, Northampton, has been um, kind of a bad actor through the years, Senator. Um, I remember it, it has. the 80s when uh, yeah. barrels of uh, red toxics yeah. spilled onto neighbors, uh, into neighbors' water systems, ruining them and forced the state to uh, yeah. water. I know you know that. Uh, is there any is there any fear? Uh, and you mentioned Barry Brook um, um, near nearby yeah. uh, and, and how it flows past there, but also in Rye. And I'm not sure it goes to Newcastle or not. Um, but is there fear that that Barry's Brook may be so uh, contaminated? Barry's Brook has a very substantial level of PFCs in it. Um, the EPA guidance suggests that um, you do not absorb the substances through the skin, so swimming in that water um, is, is probably okay for children. Mm-hmm. If they ingest significant amounts of the water, um, the EPA, again, takes the position that it's likely not enough to be unsafe, and, and they're probably right. Nevertheless, I think we should all be very concerned when we see PFCs at such a high level in surface water, um, that indicates there's a lot going on underground, and this stuff is being forced up to the surface. How many wells will end up contaminated in the next 20 years? We don't know. There are ways to mitigate this. Uh, the, the best way is to take everything out of there, put a proper seal on the bottom, put it all back in, and then seal the top. Right now, it doesn't have a seal on the bottom. It only has one on the top. Right. That's an 80 to $100 million expense. Um, and I have an estimate from our, our research office in Concord on that. So if you look at a, a city like Portsmouth, Portsmouth's responsible for 54% of the cost of the Cocoa Lamps. Well, 54% of $100 million is pretty big. And, you know, I'm sure the participants who dumped in the landfill don't want to have to do the, the removal and, and seal the bomb. There's another approach which costs less but has an ongoing expense, and that is sort of pumping and treating the water. Um, and and it's, a, it, it's a process that I'm not fully familiar with, but as I understand it, you pull the water up from underground, you purify it of PFCs, and then you put it back down in. Um, theoretically, that stops the flow of tainted water uh, out into the, the groundwater. Um, so that's another option. Um, the upfront cost of that is, is a number of millions, and then the ongoing operation uh, is, is millions as well. Um, so there's no easy answer here. I was thinking that... Uh Putting a floor under the entire landfill site sounds like a very ambitious and maybe undoable project. I don't know, that's only my opinion. Um, it's actually quite doable. It's been done in other sites. Um, it's 
has great success rate, but it's also quite expensive. And therein lies the problem. Uh, could we get some federal help for it? I don't know. Um, we haven't gotten to that point yet where the DES feels we need to make that request. I think with an issue like this, you've got two things to think about. One is the emotion. Um, when people think about unsafe drinking water and their children and their own personal health, it's a very emotional thing. Yes. And it really strikes at our core because we want to know that what we're getting out of our tap, whether it's from a personal well or a public source, is safe. Sure. Um, the presence of PFCs at 70 parts per trillion may well be safe, but people don't like the idea of these contaminants in their water. I'd point out there's arsenic in our water, you know, and there are safe limits for arsenic, and it's in there. Um, so, you know, water is never 100% pure. You, 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 know, you try to get to a level that reasonably protects the public health. The other side of it is the rational side, where you look at the science and you look at the results, and as you noted, we don't have any cancer cases directly tied to PFCs. Mm -hmm. We just don't. Um, so the rational brain says, well, this should be okay, but the emotional brain says, I don't want that in my water. So it's, it's a tightrope we're walking here. Um, how do we make decisions that put people at ease, but also make decisions that are responsible? And I think that's, that's, that's going to be a fine line to walk for the next several years. SB 309 that you sponsored and to have co-sponsors with a bipartisan group. Um, you, it, said, it says it's almost identical to last year, but was missing an element, and that's why it didn't pass? Yeah, uh, there wasn't a fiscal note attached to it last year. And, uh, initially, the Department of Environmental Services told us that they didn't need additional resources. Well, they apparently rethought their position between the time the Senate passed the bill and when it got to the House. And that, that's what tripped us off. I see. Um, so this year, this year we've got the fiscal note right in there, and we won't have that problem again. So passage looks like um, a slam dunk, at least, we hope. <laughs> Legislation yeah, always, well, it, always difficult. It, it, passed the, it, it, it passed the Senate last year. i got to believe it's going to pass again. Mm -hmm. And this will provide at least some scientific basis for at least measuring what we have? Yeah, it, it will. I mean, it, it should make us all more comfortable with the 70 parts per trillion standard or whatever standard that the department determines to be appropriate. Uh, they may come back and say, oh, it's 50 or 12, you know. Um, but whatever it is, we'll know that the conclusion was reached in a methodical, scientific um process that, that we can all rely on. What's the next phase of the uh, bill, Senator? Well, well, it, it, um, it's before the committee now. I suspect the committee will take action on it in the next couple of weeks. Then it will find its way to the Senate floor. Um, maybe a month from now, could be a little less. Uh, and then from there, uh, it will go over to the House on March 22nd. And since there's no appropriation connected with that, that would ease its way, wouldn't it? Well, it, it may end up going to finance. 
um, because there is a fiscal note. In fact, it will go to finance um, because of that fiscal note on the Senate side. Um, so it might it might be might be late February before we get this one on the Senate floor. Um, but finance will want to take a look at it as well. Certainly. Senator Dan Innes of uh, Newcastle, I appreciate taking the time and uh, and all right. your, your background on this. Yeah, it's um, it's an important bill, it's an important issue, and we got to keep the public safe. That's New Hampshire State Senator Dan Innes of Newcastle. He is the lead sponsor of SB 309. He has plenty of co-sponsors on the bipartisan bill, including State Senator Martha Fuller-Clark of Portsmouth, Senate Majority Leader Jeb Bradley of Wolfboro, State Representative Mindy Mesmer of Rye, and State Representative Phil Bean of Hampton. For in-depth NH.org, I'm Roger Wood.